my big s- secret to success has always been delegation. Like I'm, I'm always talking about navigating. Like everybody likes to drive. And it's like, yeah, you got to drive when you're coming up. But at some point, you have to learn how to let go of the steering wheel. Because if you're driving, you can't see the mountains in the, in, in the distance. You can, mm-hmm. You're not up there. You can't see it. And so I have been a really good at navigating. Like, all right, I'm doing this. Someone else can do it. Get them in. Like, I'm constantly replacing myself from anything that I do. But with the investors and with the company and the way it was, it's like there's stuff that only I can do. There's meetings only I, I have to be at. And so as of this year, you know, with what happened with Audra, yeah. you don't have to get into all that. But, like, my daughter died and... I kind of like realized I don't think the pace at which I'm going is sustainable if I want to be the kind of husband and father that I want to be for the next baby that hopefully we can have, you know? And so I had to step back. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the More Rounds Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Lewis, CEO and co-founder of Chromix. And today, you guys, we have one of my favorite humans here with me on the couch. Ezra, I was Ezra Firestone. I have been watching his content for years, long before I actually met him. His content, his free YouTube content, helped me make my first million dollars in e-commerce. And I was still doing all the things as a CEO, working in the business, making product, but also email, email marketing. And so he was always like a mentor in my head. Um, But I never like thought I would meet him, never signed up for his programs, you know, just (laughs) bumming the free content. Okay. And then one day Ezra hit me up. I was like, Kim, um, what you did with crowdfunding was dope. Would love for you to come and talk to the Blue Ribboners about it, which is basically his mastermind of entrepreneurs who have to be making a million or more to be in it in e-commerce. And I was like, me? Okay, sure. First of all, I was like ecstatic when you messaged me, Ezra. I like, I was like, ah! Oh my God, Tim, look, look at what, look at what message me on Twitter. <laughs> um, I couldn't believe it. I like sent uh, a message to Lamar Tyler, who's one of my mentors. And then to Tim, cause like in my head, you were like a celebrity, um, which is so funny. Cause I know like now that I know you as like the hippie that you are, which I say that with love, you know that um, I was ecstatic to get that message from you. And I just knew that you for Boom Cosmetics. I knew that you had built it up to a $40 million business and it was like you bootstrapped it to $40 million and that you were just dope for that. But at being a black woman coming from University of Illinois, only black girl in a lot of my rooms, I typically don't reach out to like white dudes because when you end up like meeting them sometimes, it will, some people are out of touch. You know what I mean? They're out of touch. Or they make you feel like an outsider. And so I just decided to stop putting myself in those rooms and spaces. And I felt that a lot in corporate, which is one of the reasons I left and became an entrepreneur. And so after meeting you, Ezra, and finding out that you were, you grew up on a hippie commune and you grew up poor. And I'm like, mm, what you mean poor? You ain't like, you know, white folks don't grow up poor. And then you were like, no, Kim, I had mushrooms in my sink. Like, that's how poor we were. And I was like, oh, okay, dang, you had less money than me, like, for sure, and, but you welcomed me, and you've never said anything off color, like, usually people say things that, like, mm, they rub me the wrong way, or, oh, he's out of touch, or let me just look over this, and, like, I have never gotten that from you, Ezra, so, not only are you, like, rich and successful, right, because Boom is just one of the many companies that you have, there's Boom, there's um, Overtone, your part owner in, there's um, Navage, Zipify, one-click upsell, Zipify landing pages, uh, there's so many businesses that you've started and I don't know, do you know like the overall number of amount of money and like revenue for all these companies? 
I mean, it's hundreds of millions. Hundreds of millions of dollars. And look I'm at you on my couch. my own stuff. You know? <laughs> and you were not on the venture track. You were not like, let me go raise money and get the... Why is that? Why did you ignore? I stole your intro. I gave it yeah, to you. Yeah, I, I feel like you should just do this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I was like, I'll sit back and you just tell me I'm fancy. No, and I normally try not to talk. Yeah. Normally it's, I do. But no, I've just, you've welcomed me in the Blue Ribbon so um, lovingly and I'm so appreciative. And I just wanted you to know that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you you know, you have a really wonderful energy. You um, bring enthusiasm and love and contribution of spirit. And like, that's what it's about. You oh. know? So it's like you, you, like I didn't, it's not like I just reached out to you. No, you spoke somewhere and someone was like, yo, this woman is fucking dope and you should go <laughs> talk to her and get her to speak to your people. And I was like, great. So it's like you did that for yourself. And I may get, you know, I don't get any credit for that. Oh, cheers. Us. Cheers. Okay. Why did you know about the venture track? Did you know you could so raise money for I, businesses? Um, I don't want to deal with anybody telling me some <laughs> shit about what I need to do. Like for me, it was never about like, yes, I have made more money. I went from being on the lowest end of the economic spectrum. I mean, like for real to now being like the richest person I know. And I traveled that thankfully over the course of 20 years. You know, I started as an entrepreneur really selling stuff in high school, you know, and doing criminal shit when I was younger and and thankfully, you know, what you don't want is to get rich quick because mm -hmm. you will lose it all. I mean, look at the NFL players, the NBA players who are like 80 percent are bankrupt two years after they get out of the league. Yeah. The lottery winners who are bankrupt four years after winning the lottery. It's like like learning to hold money is a whole thing. I made every mistake you could make. I'm going to answer your actual question in a second. But yeah, I made every mistake you could make, not paying the taxes, not understanding you know, just not understanding money. And there was not people like you back in the day. When I started, there was like a bunch of bums on an internet forum and you couldn't necessarily <laughs> trust them because they were creepy as fuck. So it was like, you know, it was like, and it was only dudes back then. So it was extra creepier. But I feel like my goal was always freedom. I think people, um, people become entrepreneurs or, or go for like their own thing. Because by the way, the jump from employee to self-employed even if you're self-employed and you're like doing something as a service for someone else, there's so much more freedom in that. Yeah. There's nobody telling you when you have to work. Right. So I was, I was running away from pain and chasing freedom. And I think most entrepreneurs are running away from some kind of pain, the pain of some shitty job that they don't love or the pain of like not being able to pay their bills and the emotional weight of that, which I had coming up, uh, like, you know, the pain of seeing their, their, their parents struggling and wanting to support that had that as well. So it's like, you're running away from pain usually and chasing some sort of freedom. And the idea of um, taking money from someone else and then having to deal with their bullshit, whatever, maybe it's wonderful bullshit, but it's some level of bullshit that somebody's putting on you. I never wanted that. And I didn't really care about how big it got. What I cared about was like, first and foremost, I want to take care of myself. Because one of the things that I realized in my own, my own life is like, when you're hungry, you will do funny things to eat. You'll do you'll, like my moral compass was not straight, right? You it was did like, some funny things, just some strange things. I, some I, did some, you know, I have, I would, I'm much more willing to play a gray area than my wife, right? Luckily, I met Carrie when I did, and yeah. she straightened me out. She's know? amazing, like, by the way. You know, it's <laughs> like I'm, have, have, you know, was willing to do whatever it took. I didn't. I grew up with like, hey, as long as you're not hurting anyone, laws are just in place by someone else, some random. You know, it's like I'm not ever going to hurt anybody, but. Just because it's a law doesn't mean it shouldn't be broken was my viewpoint. Like, who is telling you? So I'm not going to get into all that. But the point is that, you know, for me, it was like I just wanted to create that freedom. I didn't want to be um, I wanted access to resource. Yeah. And I think the game is resource generation and money is like what we use in the society to 
um, trade to barter. And it's like, first and foremost, you generate resource to take care of yourself because you don't take care of yourself. What good are you to anyone else? If you're all burned out and energetically depleted and unhealthy and miserable and like, it's like, okay, now nobody wants to hang out with you because you're fucking miserable <laughs> and you are, you have no, no, nothing to contribute to anybody because mm. you're all burned out. So first you take care of yourself. Then you take care of the people right around you, your yeah. family, your community, like immediate, your immediate circle, right? And then te this tends to be what happens to people. It's the first take care of themselves. Then it's like, okay, well, who around me can I help take care of? And then once you have done that, the next jump is like, well, how much fun is it to be successful and, um, you know, have good things if there's people suffering over here? So you just kind of the ring just keeps expanding. And so I think the idea is like generate resource, use it towards causes in the world that you find noble. You cannot fucking address every cause in the world. I'm sorry. There's too much shit going on. There's but you can addre address the things that m speak to you. And so that's what I'm trying to do is like I, I have figured out wealth creation. I, rem I remember a distinct moment in my life i was 12 years old and you know i lived on this commune great place wild people and it's like the 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 lights would go out or the or, or the water would turn off or you had people falling through the floors because they were moldy like you had shit like that going on and we were sitting around one day and it was like i was looking around i was like man these people have a lot together like i have never met like i go to my parents house my friend's house and these people are you know all passive aggressive and angry and like the parents are fighting and shit and like it's just drama yeah and like where i came from like people actually understood how to get along and it was like how to have loving communication how to like like people like they had relationships together yeah which is uncommon yeah but we were we did not have money together and i was like i'm gonna fucking figure out money like i can do that i can figure that out uh, and i remember that like moment in time of of deciding i'm gonna figure out wealth and now i have figured it out yeah. and i feel a little bit of a responsibility like as long as i have the energy to try to generate as much as I can because frankly I think I'm a pretty good judge of where the money should go I don't trust the government the government takes half my shit Damn. and hey I love America I'm the American dream my parents came here as immigrants like I am I am the um, I should not be rich I'm legitimate the American dream I, don't, I love this I fucking disagree country. with you I don't do the I should or shouldn't be you know what I mean yeah. I don't live yeah. in shoulds well I okay but by, by, okay but by the, the way of yeah by the facts data. and figures and data yeah, and would, statistics you wouldn't have so, landed in this amount of wealth. I'm not anti-American is what I'm trying to say to the podcast. Like, I love America. This and they take 50% of my shit and I'm not 100% in agreement because I make too much money yeah. to get the tax breaks of the rich and not enough money to make get the tax breaks of the middle class. So I'm paying 50 cents on the dollar and I love the roads and I love the fire department and I love the police. Like, I love funding the wars. And yeah, it's like I would, I'm happy to direct as much money as possible. So that's what I'm trying to do. If you've seen any of the content we produced or Chromex online and thought, man, I want to invest in that company, now's your chance. Go to chromex.com backslash invest and you can become an investor today. Now back to the episode. No, I feel that. So you bootstrapped a lot of these. Have you, you bootstrapped pretty much most of them and then you bought into private equity after they. So one of the things that fascinated me about you, Ezra, is that you didn't raise money initially, right? Like yeah. initially you bootstrapped your companies um, to tens of millions of revenue, several of them. I want to get back into that too because, you know, the Jack Dorsey's of the world doing multiple businesses and the people are like, you're insane. It's, a, it's a brilliant if you do it well, but if you don't, then like you should focus on one thing. Yeah. So I want to get back into that. But... The venture piece, you didn't do it, right? And then, but later you switched to private equity. And so I wonder, because I know it was more like, I don't give a fuck, I want to do my own thing, I, want, I don't want a boss, like I want to like make my own contribution and impact in the world. But then at some point you were like, okay, I need the suits, you know? I need the, the corporate, the corporatization or the 
professionalization of my organization. And then now I'm in the business of buying and selling big, big companies. What was that transition like? What let you know you needed to make that transition? Do you feel like you have control? My business partner up and died on me. So that happened. And that was like a, uh, she owned half the business. I couldn't afford to buy her husband out. I have money, but I have, my business was worth a lot of money. We sold it for over $50 million. So it's like, I didn't have $25 million sitting to buy that equity. So I was going to have to raise debt. Not a big fan of personal debt. I don't love it uh, yeah. for a lot of things. And so like I was, I was forced essentially to find partners unless I wanted to sell my percentage of the company, which I wasn't ready to do. I was still enjoying running it. And I will say it was a, it was, I used to think, why would you ever sell your business? Like it's making you money, it's profitable, you're enjoying it, you're running it. But there is a kind of money that comes when you sell a business that is different than like, let, let's, let's run the numbers here. Let's imagine you have a $10 million a year business. Your business, you spend 3 million, 30% on, on marketing, right? You spend, you know, let's say 30% on cost of goods or even 20%, right? So now you're at 5 million spent just on paid ads, marketing and cost of goods. Then you got G&A, which is like your team and all that shit. So now you're spending another 2 million on that. Then you got general insurance and shipping and whatever. Let's say it's another million. So let's say there's two, let's say you had a 20% profit margin. Let's say there's 2 million left in profit. Let's just say, well, you got to buy inventory for the next year. You got to pay taxes on that profit. And then what can you pull for yourself? Maybe out of a $10 million company, maybe you could pull 500 G's. And that's if you're doing great. Maybe. <laughs> but most likely, it's more like a couple hundred grand. Right. Meanwhile, that $10 million business, that $2 million in profit, you could probably sell for $8 million liquid cash. And so that is more than, that's like 20 to 30, I can't do the math in my head, but it's like 30 years of the profit you could pull out of that company mm. that you could get just from selling it. And then what you can do with that, with that bigger chunk of money is really different than what you can do with the money that you get every year from it. So. Yeah there comes a point where it makes sense to sell the asset, to have access to the kind of capital that allows you to do different shit. Gotcha. And so, and that's what you experienced with, with Boom. With Boom, yeah. I sold it and I got a whole bunch of money and that was wonderful. So what made you want to get in bed with private equity folks? So, and just for context, right? Um, so you, the PE folks, can you talk about how they kind of came in with Boom and then you guys have well, worked together all, to buy I, other? I had 10 people trying to buy Boom. And wow. one person offered me like 80 million. Wow. And I didn't go with them. There was one. There was of the, and you meet with them. They take you to dinner, and fucking, you know, it's a whole thing. And, yeah. and you know, they you present the thing, and they ask you all these questions, and they, you know, there's all this data they got to look at and shit. Of the ten groups, there was one group who I was like, I like these people. I could work with these people because every other group, it felt like we're gonna carve the path. You have to follow it. We're gonna be, you know, smashing you, you know, from behind, trying to like. It just felt very much like, yeah. I didn't want to do that. And then yeah. there was this one group where I was like, these people are amazing. Oh. They can communicate. You met them. You oh, yeah, know, Craig, they're super yeah. sweet. Craig they're, is they're, a and, super nice guy. Yeah, and it's like, I felt like I can work with these people. Like, if you sell to private equity, you're signing up for at least three years, right? Because they want you to stay with the company for three years, help it grow. Maybe they'll put somebody new in, which is where we're at with Boom now. I just put in a new CEO. I'm out. Yeah. But if I was like, if I'm going to give three years of my life to work, there's no amount of money that has worked for me is if my bills are covered and I can live my life, there is no amount of money that is worth my um, mental space. Yeah. Like, fuck that. I'm not for sale. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm happy. I would much rather have no money and have myself than have money and have to deal with some bullshit from some, you know, it's like, I'm not into that. Like, it's not worth it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I felt like I can work with these people. And then I did, and I was like, yo, these people are playing a really interesting game. There's a fucking reason why 
these people, these cats, is there a reason why big money ends up keeping the big money? Yeah. And people like us, it's very hard to get there. And then once you do, you're not even actually really in the room yet. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, you know this, yeah. you're a black person in America. Like, I, fucking, I, you live this. Yes. But, um, what, what's interesting about it is, you know, they, they wait for us to grow the, the companies, you know, get them to a certain level. And then they just come and they buy it. And for us, it's like, take Boom, right? Boom was a 40, when I sold it, it was 40 million a year in revenue at 6 million in profit. $6 million in profit in that thing. Wow. So I'm pulling a million for myself. You know, I'm building my mom a house. I'm balling. But imagine one down year, okay? What, you know, Facebook goes bad. I, You know, something goes wrong with one of my suppliers. For some reason, some shit goes, uh, goes down. I'm sitting on $3 million in inventory. I'm sitting on $5 million a year in payroll. I, it got to the point where it was so risky for me to self-fund that you kind of, once you get to that scale, you kind of need 30 to 50 million sitting in a bank to manage the ups and downs of it. Like you can yes. no longer hold it yes. by yourself. Yes. And so you need big money. You need institutional money. You need partners who can help you hold something of that scale. And I was interested in like, what is it like to run a hundred million dollar business? Like I seven and eight figures, like I can do that. Like I'm, I understand marketing, storytelling, product development team. It turns out delegation and systems and processes to your initial question, which we'll get to is a really important thing that I screwed up until I didn't. But it's like, what is that experience like? And now I just invested in a company that's $100 million. We do about $100 million a year. It's Navaj, the one I yeah. was. Mm -hmm. But um, what I kind of have come to is the perfect business. Just the, like the perfect business is between 7 and $15 million a year, 20% profit margin, low overhead, not a huge team, you're balling out of because who needs more? Honestly, who needs more money than that? Yeah. Do you really need it? No, you don't. <laughs> maybe as maybe know, I like, need you know, fifty million dollars in the bank. <laughs> hey, I'm all about it. Like I'm trying to make as much money as possible, but it's just like at the end of the day, and and I support the like goal of big wealth creation, yeah. and also if you just want to live a really pleasurable life and take care of your family and your community and do yeah, cool yeah. shit in the world and like have a meaningful existence, like that's plenty of fucking money. So you say you're discovering that that's the perfect size business. What? What did you learn at a hundred million dollar company that you were it's like, this, so this ain't it. crazy. <laughs> so, so here's what it is. So I got into entrepreneurship, like I said, for freedom. Like I wanted, like I was grinding, you know, once I had to go straight and stop playing poker for a living and Carrie didn't want me out with people with guns and like, she didn't want me like, you know, in danger. Um, then I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go straight. I'm going to get a square job. And yeah. I, I got a job at this yoga studio. I was managing this yoga studio in New York city and I was working like 50 hours a week all sweaty every all these karen's smashing me i'm the desk guy you know doing like they're <laughs> just like Karen's. dog they're coming in they came in you know they want the towel and the coconut water and shit if you don't have coconut water you will be surprised on the upper east side what they will do to you so wow it's wild out there so uh so i like you know i wanted freedom yeah. i wanted to be able to spend time with my lady and just hang out with her and be at home and like do things that are meaningful to me and like you know and so that's like what i was chasing right then the the company gets so big. I'm the CEO. I'm in charge of this fucking thing. They put me in charge. So, I mean, I put myself in charge, but yeah. then these people put me in charge. So it gets so big that the structure that is required to do it well ultimately ends up deteriorating the thing you were chasing in the first, first place. So it's like, yeah. and I'm the kind of guy who's like, I'm going to do it well. I'm going to yeah. do what it takes. Like I will, I that's the one thing I do have is like, I will do whatever it is. So whatever needs to be done, I'm willing to do it. Yeah. I, I don't feel any work is above me. I'll do the work. I will show up and do the thing. I'll talk. I'll ask for the help. I'll do whatever it takes. And so the the amount of meetings and structure and board meetings and 
preparation and budgets and all the shit I t- talk about in Blue Ribbon. Yeah. That takes so much time and energy <laughs> and structure. And it's like you get to 50, 60, 100 million dollars. You are working 40 to 60 hours a week and there's just kind of not a way around it. And yeah. it's it's rigid. It is. No, you cannot miss the Monday budget meeting with the investors. No, you cannot miss the Tuesday meeting with the marketing team like because you have to be on top of it. Because if you miss it, you're delaying them. And if you're delaying yeah. a team, you guys are basically looking at a quarter million dollars a day, right? It's a lot of money. It's a lot of and money. So, yeah. And, and my big s- secret to success has always been delegation. Like I'm, I'm always talking about navigating. Like everybody likes to drive. And it's like, yeah, you got to drive when you're coming up. But at some point, you have to learn how to let go of the steering wheel. Because if you're driving, you can't see the mountains in the, in, in the distance. You, mm-hmm. You're not up there. You can't see it. And so I have been a really good at navigating. Like, all right, I'm doing this. Someone else can do it. Get them in. Like, I'm constantly replacing myself from anything that I do. But with the investors and with the company and the way it was, it's like there's stuff that only I can do. There's meetings only I, I have to be at. And so... As of this year, you know, with what happened with Audra, you don't have to get into all that. But like my daughter died and I kind of like realized I don't think the pace at which I'm going is sustainable if I want to be the kind of husband and father that I want to be for the next baby that hopefully we can have, you know. And so I had to step back. I feel that. The number one question I get is, Kim, will you coach me? Will you mentor me? Will you advise me on raising funding? And it's really hard to do one-on-one things, but I am going to launch a community to help you guys fund your business. And the way you get access to that community is by clicking the link in the show notes, KimLewisCEO.com, and join the mailing list. You'll be first to know when I'm dropping a community so we can help you fund your business. All right, now back to the episode. So you, there's like eight or ten different businesses that I know of that you're touching. I'm sure you have some L's in there, things that you tried that you like didn't I work. I lost a half a million dollars trying to build an SMS app in 2000. I remember that. Remember that? <laughs> I, remember, I, was I was like, sell that shit to everybody. I was like, an SMS app? Yeah. He's trying to compete with attention. Yeah, I was. Like, I thought I could do it. You know, look, you have to, t- you have to take swings. Yeah. You know, it's like you have to try. And sometimes mm-hmm. stuff's not going to work. And it's like, um, and, and there's this interesting point in business where what happens is like, so they did this study. And they, I don't know who the they is, but <laughs> right, the study they. was done where they had moms look at their babies and they looked at the brain and then they had business owners look at the logo of their business and they look at the brain. It lights up in the same spot. Mm. So you like love your business. You fucking put so much energy and time and effort into it. You believe in it. You like care about it. You think about it. It's like your baby. And then like, if it's not working. So, so it's also why people have a hard time selling and they have a hard time with the reality of what their business yeah. is worth because yeah. sometimes their funky business ain't worth what they think it <laughs> should have been. But the other thing is like knowing when to say, you know what? I tried. This shit ain't working. Like knowing mm-hmm. when to step away is a bit of an art. Like yeah. there's not a real answer there. Yeah. And I have had to do that several times. Ooh, how many times? A lot. Mm. Like 20. You failed like 20 businesses? Yes. I oh have my failed God. at so much shit. Oh my God, Ed, but you have like eight that you're a part of. I have Maybe. a lot that I've been successful at too. Okay. So how, so when entrepreneurship, 21, 20, 19? You mean years? When you started. I started when I was like 18. And real. how old are you now? I'm 37. Okay. So you're going on 20 years. Yeah. And what do you say to people who are like, um, you should have, if you had focused on one thing, you might be a billionaire by yeah. now. Look, for me, it's not about like everybody is chasing, like in our society, it's all about bigger. Everyone, get it, make it bigger, get as much as you can. And it's like, 
Okay, how many fucking people do you know that are shackled to businesses that they don't love and yeah. they're just miserable and they're working all crazy and they're fucking doing blow and, and, and you know, <laughs> they you know they're, yeah, they're up all night banging down fucking Butterfingers and Red Bulls and just cranked out and they can't sleep and shit and they're, 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 they're fucking, uh, um, Not Butterfingers. you know, they're, they're, they're overwhelmed, they're underfucked, they're just like, they're, they're, they're just a, a fucking wreck. And it's like, okay, you got a big business, but look at you. I do not want that, right? I feel yeah. like here's what it is about, okay? Number yeah. one, have fun. And you've heard me say this. I'm going to say it again, though. Yeah. Because, like, if you are not enjoying your life, what the fuck is the point? Because you don't know how long you have. Like, you don't know how long you have. You don't know how long the people around you that you love have. And you don't know... Like, you just don't know what's coming for. You could hit by a bus tomorrow. Your business partner could up and die. Yeah. All of a sudden, your daughter could die. Like, you don't know. And so, what does it mean to have fun? It means take care of yourself mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, energetically, so that when you show up to work, you can bring the enthusiasm. You can, you do this really well. You can bring the fun. You can bring the positivity. And then people are going to be fucking attracted to that. And they're going to want to help you. And they want to be around you. Or... You can just be fucking unhappy and miserable and resentful and angry. And then it's like, good luck. Now you're just, okay. So number one, have fun. First and foremost, whatever it is. Because if you cannot be happy here and now, you won't be happy there and then. There's no amount of shit you will get. There's no amount of money you will make that will do it for you. It won't happen. you got to have the romance you want now, the fucking fun that you want now. You have got to figure out how to have it now. Because it's not coming down the road. It only comes from within you. So you got to be having a good time. Number one, first most important thing. Number two, make good shit. Shit that is truly good. This doesn't mean, look, you, you may not have the best, most money in the world. You can't make the best product, but you could keep making it better. You could talk to your customers. You could find, like, you have to actually truly make something that is of service to the world and of service to your community and intend for that and continually intend for that. If you're just selling some bullshit that you don't believe in, that's made by some fucking slave in a sweatshop in China, it's like, I can't live with, like that. Yeah. There's, I believe in karma. I think that shit is coming back to you. And I think you just won't make it like, okay. And every other bum has the same stupid black light flashlight as you. Good luck competing. Yeah. It's like, you have to make good shit. And then three, be profitable at any fucking level. And you have won the game of business. You make 50 grand a year and you had a good time doing it. And you made something truly meaningful and you made money. You are better and you are winning more than somebody who's got a $20 million business who is all fucking coked out and, you know, on fucking you know, meth and whatever shit they're taking uppers and downers and equalizers and fucking not having any fun and their fucking partner hates them. And it's like, okay, then yeah. which one do you want? Yeah. I want the 50 G's and the good product and haven't had a good time. So as when I met you, it's so funny because I felt like I saw my future. I was like, Oh, I was like, am I a white hippie man? Cause <laughs> <laughs> that, Cause I, I don't be fitting in with my girlfriends. I'm like, girl, you're crazy. Like you're like you're living a life on the edge. Like Kim, the stuff that you think nobody else is thinking. Like da, da, da. I'm like, but you be saying the stuff that I'm thinking, right? I just have to kind of show up a certain way sometimes. I'm a beauty founder, or I'm black, and so you know. But inside, I be thinking a lot of stuff that you be saying as. So I was like, okay, and I'm in it for the love of the game. So it's a fun game. It's a fun game, right? And so people are like. I'm like, I love my hair and I love helping black women feel seen, but I like business, right? So I like, okay, getting seven figures. Okay, getting to eight figures. Yeah. Okay, I want to run a nine-figure business. I have dreams of running, being an, like, um, maybe not IPO with Chromex, maybe, but running a public company. Yeah. Is that something that you could see yourself doing or you have any interest nope. in? No, the bureaucracy is no. no. too much. Look, here, for, okay, I have, ta you know, I'm, I've made a lot of money. Yeah. I have enough money. I'm good for yeah. the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I am set. I have made, gotten to that point, you know, and it's like, what I am looking for now is what feels meaningful. What, what makes me feel like what 
how can I contribute to the world? And I'm not against making a hundred million, 200 million, a billion, but I, I don't want to be the person running the thing. Yeah. That's why it's like, I'm going to invest. I'm going to advise. Like, you know, these, these private equity cats have it right. They're like, Hey, you fucking run it. We'll, <laughs> you we'll give you some it. money. <laughs> we'll give you some advice. We'll give you some strategy. You run the thing. Yeah. And it's like, I kind of like that idea. And so I have Molly running smart marketer. I now have a CEO running boom. It's like, I like it's, it's, a, it's an evolution of what I've always done, but I've always wanted to be the person. Like I want to be, I want to be in there doing it. And now yeah. I'm like, no, I want to be back here sort of directing it, supporting it yeah. because I, I want more space for myself. And, gotcha. and I was, I've given 20 years now, right? Like I've been banging it for real 20 yeah. years okay. and that's been good. And I'm so happy I did it and I'm ready for a break to like that. not be that on. And I think you should go for it and I'll invest. Let me, <laughs> let me, you, you run it and let me come in and just we help a, out. We got a crowdfund coming up yeah. soon. So maybe you'll put a little something in there. Yeah. Um, okay. Lightning round. Got a couple minutes left. Um, you told me you lost a half million with your SMS app. Is that yeah. the most money you ever lost on a deal? No. Ooh, what was the most money you lost on a deal? I think I probably lost about a million on one. What was um, it? I know I can't really get into that one. Okay. Uh, there's NDAs and stuff, but, but I, you know, so basically, you know what I learned is that number one, angel investing is, is tough because you have no control. You just give money and then you hope for the best. Yeah. I much prefer. And I think what I've come to is invest in things where you have either a relationship with the people running it so you can affect some amount of control, you know, you yeah. can kind of like have some strategic oversight in it Two, fewer, bigger bets is better than a bunch of small bets. Yeah. Fewer, bigger bets where if they pay off, like I invested in Drew Sanaki's post pilot, that's going to pay. Like I made a pretty big investment and it's going to pay for real. And it's going to kind of cover all the other stupid Shopify apps I invested in that <laughs> failed. <laughs> like a lot of these things that didn't work, you know? So it's like fewer, bigger bets and ones where you have some amount of, um, involvement. Gotcha. Okay. Last one, boring one. Um, a book every entrepreneur should read. Stone Soup. Stone you know about soup? Stone Soup? No, I never All right, read so it. So Stone Soup is a children's book. It's like three pages. And it's this dude. He goes into a town. He got nothing. He's just a fucking dude with some stones. He puts a pot on pot down. He puts some stones in it. And he starts being like, yo, I'm making some soup. It's going down over here. And then someone's like, oh, you're making soup? Like, I got carrots. And brings carrots in. And then it's just like, keeps happening. He's bringing people. He's like, he... Ends up with this fucking amazing soup. He started with stones. He had nothing, but he had enthusiasm. He sold. He he created the party. It's why, like, if I have a party, I want to be the bartender. I want everybody to have to come to me. I got the shit that you want. Come talk to me. <laughs> you know, it's like, I want to be the catalyst to create the community. I want to be the center of that. And I think that's what you're doing with this podcast. I think it's a really smart thing. I think if anybody out there, we have the creator economy. Like, yeah, I got into this shit in 2012 yeah. and I happened to get famous because I was the only, it's not like I was any better than anyone. I was the only one talking about it. There was nobody talking about e-commerce at right. the time. It was just me. And so, you know, it was me and a bunch of mommy blogs and it's like, oh, well, this fucking guy must know what he's talking about. He's the only one. And I knew some <laughs> shit. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know everything I know now, but I knew a little bit. And it's like, I think we're, we're at the very beginning of that where it's like, you know, everybody's anti the mainstream media because all that shit is like bought and sold by pharmaceutical companies and you can't fucking trust it. And you know who you can trust is individuals who have opinions, who you believe, who, you know, look like you, who think like you or or who don't. But it's like, I think we're at such, like, I'm investing so much. You, we talked about this at Blue Ribbon like six months ago, like influencer. You know how much I'm putting into influencer? Influencer was 1% of my marketing spend. Mm. two years ago it's 20 percent now 20 20 percent oh, i didn't know that yeah it's like of total marketing spend is fucking influencer because i i believe so strongly in that that where like everyone thinks oh, i missed it as a creator you have not the next 20 years are that are 
are the shift in media is going to individual creators. So if you have something to say or a skill or you want to, co and you don't need a lot of people, like think about it this way. Let me tell you something. Last thing, I know we're running out of time, but I have 63,000 followers on Instagram. That is not a lot. That's not a lot comparatively. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Though, and I have 60,000 on Facebook and maybe 100,000 on my email. I don't have a large following, but that Zipify, $10 million a year business. Smart Marketer, $7 million a year business. Blue Ribbon, a $1 million a year business. That's like $20 million a year, basically, not accounting other things that that audience does for me, of a small audience. Yeah. It's a small audience. I'm making $20 million a year in straight up cash to businesses I own from that little audience. And I think it's like anyone can do this. You have to like have some shit to say. You have to have some charisma. You have to have the willingness to actually reveal yourself. You can't fake the funk. But if you have that, I think you should do it. Oh, my gosh. And on that note, thank you guys so much for watching the More Rounds podcast. I'll see you guys on the next episode. Make sure to comment, like, and subscribe. Peace.